Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Prondike, and today I'm joined with Sam Collier, who is a pastor, author, and speaker, so stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondick, and thank you so much for tuning in today. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. So great to have you again. Know that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Sam. If you're a new listener, welcome. What a great time to be joining and checking out the Guys Like Us podcast. I really hope that your time listening um, is, is enjoyable, and I know it will be worthwhile. In today's conversation, I speak with Sam Collier, who is an author, pastor, writer. He does a whole lot. Um, we recorded this podcast at the end of July, um, and now it is early September. Uh, he is fresh off his latest release, A Greater Story, My Rescue Your Purpose and Our Place in God's Plan. We talk about his book, um, which really is a, a kind of an autobiography of his life, starting back to a child, um, facing rejection, and some of the challenges and pains that he that he had uh, in his personal life. Um, and kind of through looking at his story, we get a glimpse um, into some of the challenges and problems um, that, that he's faced um, and can possibly lead to, um, to, to our own transformation and some of our own uh, need for healing. Uh, and he, then he moves forward into the restoration process. What does that look like? How can you um, live to see another day and be hopeful? Um, we talk about a lot in, in this episode, so definitely tune in um, and have, uh, have your ear to the microphone in this conversation with Sam. Sam, thanks so much for joining me and the guys like us. Man, so excited to be here. I know you told me earlier you speak French. I mean, how many other languages do you speak, bro? I'm learning Portuguese, um, but I I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I speak, a, I lived in Germany for a little bit, so I speak very minimal German. Didn't try very hard, so I did not, I did not learn a lot. Um, and so... How did you learn French? I mean, is that in your family or? So I'm actually, uh, I grew up in Boston area and um, yeah. family all speaks English and I kind of sought it out on myself through, a little bit through school and then I ended up uh, wow. going to France for a little bit, living in, uh, in Northern Africa and Morocco for some time. Um, and picked up a little bit of French there. And so I've kind of been uh, bouncing around learning, learning French and I just want to, you know, want to keep it going. So try, try and find ways to, to stay engaged. That's insane, bro. Yeah. Well, thanks. Well, well, it's thank good to be here. Yeah. It's my, it's my pleasure and privilege. Um, so I just want to orient our listeners. I know this is a very exciting time for you. Um, I'm sure it's been a disorienting time as well. Um, and, uh, <laughs> It's been, but it's been, it's been full for you. It sounds so. Can you just before we dig into the book, I just want to hear and kind of orient our listeners to um, just understanding a little bit more about your background, um, kind of your growing up. We had talked a little bit before of kind of some some big markers in your life that have been important. But just uh, talking a little bit about your time growing up. I know you're from the South originally, and so just a little bit of your your childhood experiences and where faith kind of developed. And I know that this is a lot of what your book is, but maybe just a quick sneak peek. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
this is right in line with the book, man. It's about the kind of the power of story and mm. and my and my life, man, and how God leveraged different things to get me to where I am. And I'm born and raised in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, we were adopted, me and my twin sister, from Augusta, Georgia, mm-hmm. um, and then moved up to Atlanta after about two months um, of us being alive. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because our mother, biological mother, was 21 when she had us, and she had three kids already. So that's five kids, age 21. Yeah. And she was on, you know, in poverty, man, uh, extreme poverty. Um, and you know, if you look through some of the adoption papers, it kind of traces her steps back to maybe a prostitution house. Don't know if she was doing that, or if she was just living in there. Right. But I know she right. was um, just dealing with a lot and dad addicted to substances at the time lost him mm-hmm. from COVID-19 a couple months ago biological dad sorry to hear um that. he uh, I've only talked to him twice in my life and my biological mother hit us up and and uh just kind of told us and it's, there's an interesting story uh, to how we reunited and I'll tell you kind of about mm-hmm. that the book kind of walks mm-hmm. us down that road and um man it's just you know my dad he, he my biological father died uh, in the hospital um mm diabetes but it went down the street from COVID-19 but it went right. down the street um to go get some some drugs and, and contracted COVID in New York City when it was the hotbed went back to the hospital was being where he was being treated for the diabetes and then ended up having COVID and it just took him out yeah but I I, I tell that a uh, part of the story and fast forward because mm-hmm. just to kind of give you a little bit of a glimpse of how long that kind of had a hold on him and yeah um so he wasn't there when we were born and so our mother uh, was faced with the decision, do I raise him in poverty? Do I give him up? And she gives us up and mm-hmm. we get adopted by a lovely couple who had just given their life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning of our life, uh, the lady who was running the agency where they came to adopt us, she said, they're probably not going to be much. Mm-hmm. You don't want to adopt them. They adopted us anyway, said God spoke to them and told them that we would be all right. And my sister got all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade, became an industrial engineer, Spelman grad, Georgia Tech grad. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm on the guys like us, you know what I'm saying? And it got a book coming out and what's out now, depending on when this comes out. And, right. uh, and God just really wrote a greater story, man, with our lives. Yeah. yeah. No, amazing. And so the, so the, yeah, this segues perfectly into the book. And so it's the end of July, actually the last day of July right now that we're recording and the book will be out first week of August. Um, this, by the, mm-hmm. by the time this podcast releases, um, the book will be out for probably a few weeks, um, and so the title, yeah, congratulations, A Greater Story, My Rescue, Your Purpose, and Our Place in God's Plan. Um, and I love how it starts with yourself and kind of this, this personal experience and testimony and then shifts to why is, yeah. how can this relate to, to your life? Um, so can you talk to me just about the origin of why you even kind of wanted to write this book from the jump? And then I guess why now is a good time to release it? Bro, um, we wrote it because six years ago, I wrote it because six years ago, wow. um, I met my biological family on the Steve Harvey show. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, you've heard the story that kind of um, leads us up to where we are. And after right. my sister kind of graduated and I did my stuff, um, my dad who adopted us came to us one day and said, listen, it's time for you to go find your biological family. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, what? Um, and (laughs) 
it, he was just like, well, you could grow up one day and marry your cousin and you would know it. And I said, what? You, you lost your bud. And mm. you know, my dad had a barbershop down on Auburn Avenue. So I grew up mm. on Auburn, um, where kind of the birthplace of civil rights here in Atlanta, across the street from the Martin Luther King Jr. Center, um, where the above tombs of Coretta and MLK kind of sit above ground. And, uh, and so he, he watched TV in the barbershop every day. You know, he, he, mm -hmm. he I don't know if you've seen the movie barbershop before, but oh, yeah. said, I wouldn't rec I don't know if I recommend it or not, but <laughs> ice cube film. And, uh, it kind of just outlines yeah. what our childhood was like. Um, yeah. and so he here, he was in the barbershop watching the Steve Harvey show every day when yeah. Steve took over Oprah's slot. And he hmm. said that the Lord told him that Steve Harvey was going to help us find our parents. And so we're in this moment where he's saying, it's time for you to go find. And he's like, Steve's going to help you do it. I'm like, I'm, you don't even know Steve, right? I, yeah. And I leave, yeah. I find out he convinces my sister later on to write into the show. And yeah. um, she does. A year goes by, nobody calls us, then our phone rings. Yeah. And it's Dorothy from the Steve Harvey show. And she said, we think we can help you find your parents. Do you want to do it? I said, let me call my sister, call my sister. And uh, she said, uh, no, I don't yeah. want to do it, but I feel like God is doing something. And um, we went on the show, bro. Yeah. And when we got there, they said they didn't find anybody. And uh, Steve said, uh, you know, actually, we're just kidding. On national television, your biological mother is here. Mm -hmm. And our biological mother walks out and we meet her for the first time. bro. So we wrote the book based on that because I started telling that story at different churches and conferences and all in all these different places and people started, I mean, they were crying just at the miracle of what God can do, um, in, in someone's story when it, when it's mm -hmm. messy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. And so one, I mean, one component, I think of this, of the book that I, when I was, when I was reading through really stuck out to me is, um, is like, is understanding rejection. And I think a lot of us face rejection in some different capacity. Yours was obviously, uh, life altering and transformational for you, but just talk about how you've, I guess, what you've learned about rejection and then how you've able, been able to just believe and hope for that, just that resurrection power and just that to change that narrative of, of what you can become on the other side. Well, man, you know, I think rejection, I think we all experience rejection in our lives. Um, mine was at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but it also, that wasn't the only moment that I experienced rejection. I experienced rejection my whole life and everybody does, right? I mean, even as simple as when you start, you know, getting into trying to court the opposite sex, right? And you're like, oh, I want to get married one day. I want to do this. And not everybody is for you, right? I mean, right. Uh, right. when you when you try out for a team or when you, you know, whenever it is in, in, in school, I mean, it's, it, we all experience rejection in some way. I think the question is how do we deal with the rejection? And how do we choose to internalize it? And mm. what um, is our focus within it? I always say that it, um, but where you look will determine what you see. Yeah. And so what we decide to look at will help us figure out what, what, what is around us or what is not around us and so on and so forth. Um, and so for me, I just chose not to focus on the rejection, but on the acceptance of my parents that adopted us. And, you know, many adoption stories, um, hmm. you, you know, that you hear are uh, there are a lot of individuals that focus on the rejection and they start to live yeah. out of that place of rejection. But I think for me, 
my sister, we just decided to live out of the acceptance because again, where you look will determine what you see. So I would just say that to everyone out there mm -hmm. um, that doesn't matter how many times you've been rejected. doesn't matter, you know, uh, when, when you get rejected. I mean, the question is, is how will you internalize that? How will you process it? And will you see the glass is half full or will you see it as half empty? Because everyone around us has been accepted by someone, even if it's just God. But we yeah. know it's more than just God. By someone, someone has accepted us. And will we choose to focus on the ones that, re that rejected us? Or will we live from a place of triumph? So mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers the question, but. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, I think it does for me. And I, I mean, it makes sense. And um, that, I guess, just switching the lens and just trying to, to see the, the, the good in a situation can, can really can be hard at sometimes. And yeah. especially with the with the intense suffering, and and one kind of avenue I wanted to to, to go with this for a minute is so I, I actually had the opportunity to go to Atlanta. I guess this was last year now, and we I got able to kind of uh, I was hanging out with some guys. We went to uh, just hit up the spots, hit up Waffle House, um, which they don't have in Waffle Boston, House. which they don't have in Boston. So I'm uh, I'm jealous. Um, Come on, man. I know, I know, but is Boston considered the north? <laughs> It's the north. It's definitely the north. It's cold. I mean, they don't. They don't want. They don't want us up there, man. They don't want us. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> we, we're just getting Chick Fil A now, so it's. Uh, yes. We're becoming yes. relevant little by little. Okay. Um, good. Though, but um, and I, I had the opportunity myself to to go to uh, the the uh, MLK Junior's old house, as yeah. well. Um, and I forget the the neighborhood that's in, but just had the opportunity to kind of see some history and some legacy. Um, that he said, and obviously there's a lot of uh, history in terms of um, understanding uh, race in our country and the impact that it has for today. And know you've spent a lot of time on on uh, diversity and reconciliation and understanding how that impacts our life today. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what your experience um, has been growing up where you are and just why it's why it's so relevant for today. I think that there's sometimes a disconnect from understanding the past to the, to, to the present. Yeah, man, I um, I think in general, you know, I think rejection is a great segue into this question because as African-Americans in this country, you know, we the beginning of our legacy here started with rejection, right? A, a sense that we yeah. were not uh, uh, seen as um, enough or equal. So, you know, and, and, and so I think even for me, you know, you talk a lot about the intense suffering and how that impacts how we decide to look at a situation. And I think, you know, growing up in America, I grew up on Auburn, as I said, the birthplace mm. of civil rights. Um, and I saw leaders like MLK and murals of John Lewis, you know, we just lost Congressman yeah. John Lewis. I have a picture sitting on his lap when I was six as my dad was cutting his hair. And uh, so that, that, that was just, you know, yeah. kind of incredible. You walk a little bit further down Auburn, you see Hank Aaron, and then you see yeah. the historic African-American library on Auburn. You yeah. see the place, as you said, where MLK grew up. And when you look at these examples of men and women that in spite of the oppression that they faced during their lifetime, chose to be victorious, you develop a perspective on rejection that it really does an abandonment. It really, um, it really does make sense 
um, to not live out of that. It, it gives you um, an example of people that in spite of the suffering chose to still rise above uh, the current conditions in America, that, that just because they were looked at as less than, they didn't see themselves as less than. Just because they were beaten and they were spit on and discriminated against, they didn't live from that place. Mm. They rejected the rejection. And so yeah. I think as we talk about just this idea of America and, you know, and what we're going through and how we can move forward, you know, I, I don't think it is what it was before, but I don't think it is what it is to be. Hmm. I think we've got 400 hmm. years of oppression that have happened 70 years removed from civil rights. Hmm. Um, and it is easy to believe that we've not cleaned out every cobweb, right? After 400 years compared to 70, it's easy to believe that there are still some remnants and some systems that were started a long time ago that have lived on for 400 years hmm. that after 70 years we have not fixed. And so I think, hmm. I think we have to move into this idea of, finishing the job that was started. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's finished, but I do think it started. And as black and brown people and as white and as Asian and as Hispanic, we got to come together and in us coming together, work together to fix a lot of these broken systems and these ideologies that are still in place. I have a friend mm -hmm. who is uh, 22 years old, white man, white boy, white man. I mean, you have, you want to say it, he's young. Right. And he said his father is the most racist person he's ever met in his life. His father, who's 60. Yeah. And so he said even for him, you know, he the, 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 the types of mindsets and mentalities that he's had to even unprocess that he grew up in and still could be a victim of because his father still believes mm. that way. We're talking about one generation away. Mm. Um, he said he had to work really hard to believe different. What was my point? We still have, we still have some remnants yeah. and we have to do what we have to do as believers to come together. Jesus prayed that we would be one mm. and we got to do everything we can to, to become that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I guess this, this is, yeah, that's really helpful. And so this transition then from this to this path of healing and this restoration, um, can we just, yeah, I just want to start from your personal experience and story of how you then were able to, like, let God heal and restore these places of brokenness and of hurt in your life to have, uh, just to have that hope for the future. And when you ask that, are you asking more from a race perspective or just in life in general? Yeah, I'd say... Well, I'd say both. I mean, because I, I want to talk about your experience and then we and then I think coming out of that, we'll talk about how that how how that then or if there's any similarities with how what we can bring from that into our restoration um in race as well yeah i mean i think i think so man i you know my my, my father who adopted has always told me it's not about the cards you've been dealt but about yeah. how you play the hand my dad's 84 grew up born 1930s yeah so he would walk to school and um there would be buses that drive by and people would you know, the white kids would spit on him and his brothers as they would walk yeah. to school. And so he's lived through that. He lived through civil rights. He lived and he lived through what we are now today. And yeah. so a statement like that coming from him was powerful for me. That it's not about the cards you've been dealt, Sam. It's about how you play the hand. And at every turn, hmm. that has been my mentality. 
um, with the struggles and the and the things that I faced and um, you know, as we talked about the abandonment, we talked about even the reuni- reunification of our family. And hmm. with all of that, you know, I think with all the obstacles, I mean, and this does definitely segue perfectly into kind of this whole idea of being black and brown and, and, and how, to, how to overcome that. Yeah, I, I think I think for me that, that that's it's always been that it's that we don't have to be a victim of our past. And I'm talking about America. Hmm. Um, we don't have to be a victim of our past we can be the creators of the future. Hmm. And I think for me, I've always tried to focus on that. What's in front of me right now? This has happened beyond in the past, but how do I now create the future in which um, I want to live? And how can we together as Americans create the future that we want to live in as opposed to fighting in the, in the future? It's like, no, no, look, here's where we are. Let's come together again and let's fight for a better way. I love a, a friend of mine, pastor friend who always said, you know, it's all about the fight for the future, right? Mm. <laughs> it's all about the fight for the mm. future. Yeah. And I think that that's what I've always tried to be at every turn. Uh, when I was younger, I've tried to fight for my future and I didn't always uh, make the right choices. As you know, as you read in the book, I made uh, a lot of mistakes, um, but I've yeah. tried to, in the midst of my mistakes, get back up after I fell down and, and rewrite that story and, and, say I'm sorry when I needed to say sorry, mm-hmm. change my mentality when I need to change my mentality because it's all about the fight for the future. So I think that that answers both questions yeah. in terms of how yeah. I did it, but then also how us you know, as Americans need to be, and especially as Christians, mm. need to be wired. The fight for the future. What is the faith of the next generation worth? What mm. is the the fate of the next generation worth? Is it's worth everything. We got to put it all on the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, yeah, I, and I think f- one of the biggest challenges, obviously, is we're at in the United States as we're entering into this election cycle too. It's a it's a very tense and divisive time, and so now is when we need unity more than ever. Um, and so I, that's just been something that I've really been thinking about. Like, what does that actually look like for paving a vision? for the future and so i mean i i don't have the answers um but am i'm just excited for i think the opportunity that it presents in front of us yeah 100 percent, man and we do we do have an opportunity um and and i'm excited about it as well i've never been more hopeful than i am now um in my lifetime Hmm. about race relations in this country because we're finally starting to have the conversation um i'm excited about that and I'm also excited about the liberation of black and brown people and how they're becoming even more confident in them. And hmm. I've, got, I've got a lot of white brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, some of my greatest relationships are with uh, my white brothers and sisters and also obviously with my black brothers and sisters. And so there is a beauty in us coming together. We, we, we all possess things that the other side doesn't have. Hmm. You know, um, there's a sense of family and, and community in the black community like never before because we've always had... But also, there's a sense of hmm. uh, of innovation and of strategy, and you know, of, of of seeing kind of the glass half full in the white community, and and kind of when we come together and uh, put our two two heads together, we you know we get better. I, I always say, um, you know, um, my white brothers and sisters teach me about Mexican food, American Mexican food. They love Mexican food here in the South, and I teach them how to dance. You know what I'm saying? And so it's uh, it's it's a it's yeah. a um, yeah. it's a great exchange. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, well, thank you. And I, I wanted to actually kind of connect on how we can leverage our kind of our God-given purpose. And you outlined this on page 127. You connect, you kind of have a triangle here of passion, giftings, and provision. And I think when we're able to find that sweet spot, we can really lean into our uh, our God-given potential and purpose. Can you just talk a little bit about how you found that and kind of some advice for how we can find that so that we can then live into our best selves when we're, when we're honestly the healthiest? Yeah, you know, I was mad at the church for a really long time. Um, and not every church because I haven't been to every church. But the American church... I was upset because I felt like I was going to conferences and church outings and services and yeah. I would walk out feeling like I could change the world yeah. because the message was so powerful. I would walk out being empowered and you know, the spirit of the living God is with me and right. he can, you know, right. give me the ability to liberate the poor and he wants to liberate the poor and, mm. and to set the captive free. Mm. Yeah. And so I walked out with these big visions, huge visions but I didn't know how to actualize it. And I felt like hmm. I had, you know, what the Bible calls hope deferred. Yeah. It makes the heart sick. I was hopeful for a brighter day. I was hopeful for God to do amazing things through me, but I just didn't know how to connect the dots. Yeah. And so it, it, it launched me into a journey of discovering what I call the mysteries of the kingdom. You know, we read a lot about that in the text, yeah. in the Bible, that you know, the, the mysteries of the kingdom, that, that, they, that they would be revealed. In other words, reading between the lines and letting the Holy Spirit illuminate the text on the page so that you can hear a revelation uh, from God about a certain passage. Right. And as right. I start to dive into the word and ask God for the revelation and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide, I discovered a strategy that changed that would change my life forever and it was about purpose yeah. one of life's biggest questions and greatest questions that we all ask whether we're believers or not right. is what is my purpose am i here for a reason does my life even matter and obviously we know the answer is yes you do have a purpose yes your life matters yes there is something significant for you to do but how do we discover it and yeah. in that journey i said it is when purpose is found when your giftings your provision and your passion collide. Hmm. When, when, when those three things can collide, that you would discover your gifts, God-given gifts, hmm. and, and that you would discover uh, what your passion is and that you would marry it with, with, with a sense of provision that God would meet yeah. you at the provision, you discover purpose. What is a gift? There's a difference between a talent and a gift. And I go so much further in this in the book, and yeah. I'm going to break it down really quick. But if you want to go even that much more deeper, dive into that. I give examples. I give so many different strategies. Yeah. What is a gift? A gift is something that you are graced to do. I always say hmm. that a talent is something you're good at. A gift is something you're graced at. Right. Grace. What right. is grace? Right. It's unmerited favor. It's hmm. supernat the supernatural ability to perform in something. How do you know you're graced at something? Well, whatever you're graced at helps someone be better. Whatever you're graced at makes the world better. A talent is good, but a talent may not make the world better. A talent might just make you happy. It might make someone else happy. Hmm. But, a, but a gift is something that changes somebody's life. How do you discover what you're gifted at? you got to ask people. Why? Because a gift is something 
that makes the world better and it's something that and it's something that makes people better the, the, the scriptures talk about God giving each one of us a gift why for the purpose of building the church building God's people yeah. ultimately making yeah. the world better so for me I went on a journey of asking friends and family what do I do that makes you better what do hmm. I do that makes our surroundings better and they started to show me and it was in a moment that that's how I, that's how I arrived at ministry they said it is something about you speaking it is something about the inspiration you have this thing on you when you speak that makes me better. For some of us, it might be cooking. That you have a way of making a meal that makes somebody's day better. For some of you, it might be medicine. It might yeah. be teaching. It might be whatever it is. Um, it's making the world better. Once you move from there, you jump into this idea of passion. Passion. Hmm. Passion. In other words, what breaks your heart? How do you discover what you're passionate about? Yeah. That's the, that's the question. What breaks your heart? What is it that 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 when you wake up in the morning, right? That you that you that you can't stop thinking about. What is it when you think about the problems of the world? What is it that bothers you the most? Yeah. I believe God's always. Let me say it this way: I believe God's created all of us to solve a problem, yeah. and so we got to figure out what that problem is. Yeah. It's whatever breaks our heart. For me, it's purpose. So that's why this idea of a greater story. So big for me because I want people to access the greater story they have. And that's why we wrote this book so that people can have a manual for how to unlock their lives, yeah. their God given purpose and potential. And, and, and they actualize it and go get the book because I want you to have it for that reason. <laughs> Sorry. I got too excited. I got you're too good, excited. You're good. Um, passion. What breaks your heart? Provision. Yeah. This is huge. This perhaps is the last step. This perhaps is the biggest step. I always say this. Whatever God has graced you to do, he will provide for you to do. Yeah. He will provide. Yeah. If you're doing something and God has not provided for you in that area, in other words, if favor doesn't start to overtake you, if doors don't magically start to open, if energy isn't seen, if there isn't a sense of momentum, there's no provision. That means God isn't in it. Because whatever God wants you to do, he's going back. I'm not talking about spiritual attack. I'm not talking about obstacles hmm. because obstacles come with the idea of success and pursuing passion and goals and all of that. Right. But you can still have obstacles, but, but, but provision and provision still be present. I think we all know about that. This podcast is an example of one. Uh, you guys are doing this and it didn't come without obstacles. I'm sure you had for a moment. It's like, man, I got to get up. I got to do this. I got We got to go and try to send the email and get people to, to, be on the show. Right. Oh my gosh, I got to send the email maybe twice sometimes. I know for us, we had to reschedule a couple of times even today because I'm on this press. It's cra it, it, that, those are obstacles. Right. But provision is still present. In other words, people are listening to this all around the, the globe, right? There, there, there's, there's the ability to, um, to pay for the microphones that we're using right now, to pay for the marketing. People want to listen. That is called provision. Hmm. It's energy, it's momentum. And when you yeah. can get all three of those together, you'll discover purpose. You're going, man, that's amazing. How do I do it even greater? You got to get the book. But I've given you so much right now yeah. for how to do it. I've been yeah. passionate about this, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and I, it, I think it's, it's amazing. It's, it's when, when you really understand your purpose, you are just so energized and just the spirit is moving in you to step out and do things in faith that you – that you would not have done if you weren't in the right position. Um, yeah. And 
I think it's I think it's really interesting. You mentioned um, kind of how so I think these obstacles or these weaknesses or rather sorry, how out of challenges or problems um, we kind of bring out we can bring out an, a passion or a desire to make change happen. And so I mean I think about personally growing up having having a stutter and then having it being having it hard to talk for me to actually speak in public was something that really bothered me and I knew that there that I had to that I wanted to change the situation and yeah. and in leaning into that I actually found that when I am weak I'm strong in that now I'm doing podcasting <sighs> right and I it's um it, it's just incredible how through sometimes through weakness you can yeah. then understand how this can then actually become a strength if you if you have the humility and if you have the patience to to really um to persevere and to just weather the storm I love that bro yeah um, but hey, I know we're wrapping up on time now, and want to be want to be cognizant here. Um, yeah, just a final word of encouragement for listeners who are uh, who have made it through the podcast, who have not um, who have not hit pause yet, or hopefully are on the uh, you know wherever they are on the road. Um, just yeah. a word of advice, encouragement, and then just where we can find you, um, and just what you're, what you've been up to in the book as well. Well, this has just been an incredible moment. I, I know I was looking through. Uh, some of the other podcasts you've done, and they're just awesome, bro, you guys. So it's an honor to be here. Yeah. Um, when this comes out, I definitely want to share it to all of my people as well and let them know about what's happening, bro. I, you know, I think as a final word of encouragement, I would say, in the midst of COVID-19, there is still hope. In hmm. the midst of COVID-19 and COVID-19 and civil unrest, God still has a plan. He has a purpose for us. The idea of a greater story is that when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. And so I just believe mm-hmm. that as we connect our story, our stories to God's in this season, he will, for many of us, give us the victory. He will give us new ways to create more revenue. He will hold us because of some of the deaths that we've seen. He will leverage the trouble that we found ourselves in um, for our good and to make a difference in the world. If God doesn't move the mountain, he'll give us the ability to climb it and to make it through. God has a greater story for all of you. You do not have to be a victim to the circumstances of life with the power of God. He will give you the ability to overcome. If you let him in, if you follow him, if you become innovative. If you decide where to look, the Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. And so if you can set your mind on things above in this season, not just look at the challenges, but find the divine opportunities that are all around us that God will show us if we let him and not just become victims of the darkness. Hmm. But if we let the light show up, we will find a greater story. Get the book. And because I, I believe it'll help you in this season. Yeah. It'll give you a manual for how to overcome tough times. Um, Amazon.com. It's on target.com. If you just want to connect, I mean, go to a greater story.org, a greater story.org, not.com, but.org. And you can find everything there. I've got my podcast there, but more importantly, you can find the book there, bro. This has just been incredible. Yeah. I appreciate this so much. Thank you. And God bless. I uh, appreciate, appreciate your time and um, excited for where this journey is going to take you. Guys like us. <laughs> <laughs>